Hey everybody, my name is Ethan Boggs and I get to Pastor Vibrant Church in Columbus, Mississippi. And today I'm sitting here with the pastors of the church. And we're talking about the next generation. Check it out. So I just read recently that there was a study, it's Pew Research, that talked about one third of Gen Z do not affiliate with any sort of religious group whatsoever. So what we're seeing in our nation is many of our young people don't see a need for organized religion, don't see a need for coming together, don't see a need to, there's no higher power. In fact, I would even venture to say they look at themselves as they are their own higher power. Um, we see this, it's very prevalent in the United States right now. So I actually wanted to open up in Judges, you know, we, Judges chapter 2, verse 10 talks about, uh, it's a passage many of us would recognize. Joshua passes away, and it, of course we know Joshua was a very strong, strong man. Uh, he would have had a great witness, great example um, towards the future generation. But it goes on to say that, says all this generation says, and there, were, there arose another generation after Joshua, and after them who did not know the Lord or the work that he had done for Israel. And I kind of think that's kind of where we're, we're in as a nation. That's kind of where we're at, where there's a lot of people they don't realize, they don't know the Lord. They have no desire to know the Lord. So I, may, I, I just kind of want to open the floor, I guess, a little bit. What are some things that maybe you guys are seeing culturally? Do I think it's a lost cause? Definitely not. There's a lot of hope. Sure. But there are some systemic things that are happening right now. What do you think are some of the root causes of that that we're seeing in our culture today? I think that uh, our generation has not done the best job leading the next generation. Mm-hmm. I think that we we find ourselves a lot of times when you've been in church for a number of years, it's almost like you forget the generational impact that you should be having. Mm-hmm. We just kind of get in our own idea of church, maybe our own idea of religion, and we we just kind of stay there and we're content with that, forgetting what we need to be doing for the next generation, mm-hmm. what we need to be doing for those that are coming up. And, and one thing that I've noticed about Gen Z in particular is that in all of the places they're searching, most of them are just looking for something that is authentic. Right. They're not looking for this flashy thing. They're not looking, they're just looking for authenticity. Mm-hmm. And in some ways, uh, if we're not careful, we've gotten away from that by just how we how church has progressed over the years in our nation, in our culture. And mm. we've, we've just gotten, I think in some ways, we, we have forgotten what it is to prioritize that next generation. I'm a product of the previous generation pouring into me. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and we have to have that same conviction about the next generation mm-hmm. because they're, they're important. And I, I think that's something that we... that. Really, you know, Pastor Josiah, that, that's kind of where you take the lead. But I think that here at our church at Vibrant in Columbus, I, I feel like there is a passion for mm-hmm. the next generation. Mm-hmm. I feel like we we put that out there. And, and not not to say that, hey, we're the the thing that has it right. No, there's there's things, too, that we're still working through. Mm-hmm. But I do I am thankful to be a part of a church that prioritizes the next generation yeah. because it, it shows... Mm-hmm. 
what, what God can do in 10, 15, 20 years tomorrow. You know what I mean? Right. So I, I, I did want to ask you this, uh, just as you, your role here at our church as, as a, st- a student pastor, next-gen pastor, what is it like for you to navigate the challenges of leading this next generation? Because it's, it's not, you're facing something that a lot of previous generations have not had to face. What is that like for you as a challenge? Hmm. I see a lot of students that are dealing with severe identity issues. Yep. There's a lot of identity issues. You know, we see that again in culture too. It's reflected in culture. So it creeps in to your youth groups. It creeps into your churches that people don't know who they are. Mm-hmm. So we actually just even just recently did a back to the basics series because I want them to know Pastor Ethan's heart would be the same. He would want them to know why do we believe what we believe? Yep. Because people uh, and a lot of young people who deal with identity issues, they don't even know why they believe what they believe. So it could go into, I believe I'm this, or I could believe um, this is what I'm supposed to do, or I believe, and it's all rooted in you don't have, you don't have a solid foundation, a core belief of why you even exist. That's a start with that. So, yeah. so we come across a lot of students that that deal with that pressure in a way that I never had to deal with when I was in high school. I never had to deal with when I was in middle school. I never saw, I mean, there were some of those things, but it was never as prevalent as it is today. Everybody is, everything you see on social media screams, this is what I identify as, this is who I am. Everything screams that this is, this is when really the, the sad part about it is it's so, so far off of your identity is rooted in Christ as a child of God. But on the flip side of that, though, the hope I see is I see young people that have a genuine desire. You know, there's those glimmers of light that have a genuine desire to know the word of God, to seek the presence of God. And you, you mentioned authenticity. They want authenticity. They're done with fake. Yep. They're done with fake. A lot of them are done with, they, they've seen it all. They've, they've seen people who say they're this and then they're really this. They want real. Now, it's our job, I think, and in, in my job even too, to coach them and teach them, well, what is real? <laughs> mm-hmm. Because because your definition, because the world's telling them all kinds, well, this is this is what you look to. This is what you this is what you should model yourself after. This your is your truth. You, right. That's it. Your truth, right? Moral relativism. Everything is subjective. Well, it's like, no, we, if we're grounded in the word, we'll have grounded students, we'll have grounded, you know, grounded ministries. But a lot of students are, you know, depression's at an all-time high. Suicide rate as an, is at an all-time high. Well, why is it? It comes down to identity. They don't know who they are, mm-hmm. so they're lost. So where I think the church comes into play and that I get excited about is we have the opportunity to show them like, hey, okay, here's your compass, here's your true north. If you feel lost, here's where your identity can be rooted in. And there's nothing more powerful than that because the world can tell anybody. I could tell Pastor Aaron, well, this is who you are. Mm-hmm. But only if, if, if Pastor Aaron doesn't know who God says he is, he'll never truly fulfill his calling. So 
the, the plus side of it is we get to see students that have those light bulb moments that I do know who I am yeah. and, and, and I can be firmly grounded in Christ and I don't have to waver, you know, uh, I believe it's in James talks about that a foolish man, his mind wavers to and fro like the waves of the sea. That happens with our students all the time. It's like there's so much data being thrown at them, mm-hmm. and this is who you are. Yeah. There's so much, and I would go as far as to say it's propaganda. There's so many things that, but we have the joy and the honor of getting to cut through the the veil, so to speak, the maybe just the muck of it, mm-hmm. and to say, no, this is who God says you are. Mm-hmm. And this is, I, I just talked to a couple students the other night, and they're like, they're so confused. I'm like, no, here, let's talk about scripture. God says, you are a child of God. You are bought, you are purchased. He, this is what he says about you. So let's start with that. And then let's let the other things fall into place. Mm-hmm. But so many, they're just, they're, they're, there's, there's a, maybe even, I would go as far to say as a spirit of confusion like I've never seen before over this generation. But through that though, the truth of God can cut through that confusion. And I've seen it happen time and time again. So that encourages me, despite all the confusion, despite all the chaos, despite all the the frustrations and all these different things, that there is hope and there are students that are reaching their peers because they they've caught on to that truth, you know. Wow. So now you said something and it just made me think about, you know, when you start talking about confusion, the chaos. I believe we all we we could all agree that the broken family unit unit mm-hmm. and the growing yeah. number of like divorce mm-hmm. in Father our culture homes, just yeah. like and children Gen Z seeing this at a more precedented rate than yeah. we than ever before right growing up without a father growing up without stability in the home um, I believe definitely plays a big a big role in how they see life, how they're processing That's right. you know, their decisions. And, and so growing up, you know, a lot of these children, a lot of the youth in these broken family units is just like, man, just trying to make sense of life, mm. you know, uh, in the midst of what they're seeing, you know, when they come home from school or sports or church, whatever it is, like growing up in those environments, I believe can be very, very tough. And, and we're seeing, yep. you know, these youth battle with so many things because of the family unit not right. being as strong as yep. like in years past, you know, you know, mom, mom and dad may not have been perfect, you know, right. but, but they lasted a lot. They lasted, you know, yeah. they, they, they were, they stayed, you know, they raised yep. those kids together and, and taught them the best way they know how, but now, <laughs> you know, mom and dad, if it's that good, they, mm. they're out of there. And then the kids are left with, confusion like what what is this and um so I, I believe that that that's playing a huge role mm-hmm. in in how our kids are navigating in the depression and, and anxiety and all the things that they're seeing because of the broken family unit uh being at all yeah. time high i was thinking about this while you were talking mark chapter five i love this story i've preached this a bunch it's one of my favorite stories uh Verse 22, then a leader of the local synagogue whose name was Jairus arrived, and when he saw Jesus, he fell at his feet, pleading fervently. This is the New Living Translation. uh, Pleading with him fervently, my little daughter is dying. In other words, the next generation is in trouble. Mm -hmm. So he's coming to Jesus, and he's saying, listen, the next generation, my daughter 
she's sick, whatever. We don't know why she's dying. We just know that she's dying. And let me just pause. I'm thankful for the gyrus, the gyruses in our lives that go to Jesus over us. Come yes. On. Mm-hmm. Come on. Yes. Right? Mm-hmm. So gyrus could have went a whole lot of other places, uh, but gyrus went to the right person. Good. And the um, Bible says he saw Jesus. He fell at his feet pleading fervently with him. My little daughter is dying. And he said, please come and lay your hands on her. Heal her so she can live. Watch this verse 24. Jesus went with him and all the people following or followed crowding behind him. Now, let me jump down to verse 35. Jesus is now speaking to the woman who has the issue of blood. This all happens at the same time. While he was speaking to her, verse 35, messengers arrived from the home of Jairus, the leader of the synagogue, just reminding everybody, hey, we haven't forgot about this story. We're actually in the middle of going to her house when the woman with the issue of blood stops him in the crowd. This is what the messenger says. Your daughter is dead, period. Mm. Now, she was just sick. (laughs) Now, she's dead. Mm. There's no use troubling the teacher now. Now, this is where the problem lies. I'm okay with you saying she's sick. I'm okay with you saying she's dead. The problem was when they started adding commentary. Don't trouble the master now. Right, right. Yep. Come on. Well, that's none of your business to yep. decide what the master can and can't do. That's right. Come on. Now, you can say she's dead. You can read the stats. You can tell me that she's ill. You can tell me that she's dying. You can tell me that the breath is left. You can tell me that rigor mortis is set. You can say a whole lot about the next generation, but don't add any more to the commentary. Come on. And watch this. He said, no use in troubling the teacher now. That, that, that is unnecessary words. Those are unnecessary words coming from the messenger. But Jesus overheard them and said to Jairus, didn't say to the messenger, Jesus didn't even deal with the people that have a bunch of stuff to say. Yep. He looked at the Father says, don't be afraid. Just have faith. Come on. We're not going to listen to these reports mm-hmm. of what they are saying about the next generation. Mm-hmm. He goes, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid of what you're seeing. Don't be afraid of what you're hearing. Come on. Just have faith. Then Jesus stopped the crowd, and he wouldn't let anyone go in mm-hmm. except Peter, James, and John. Mm-hmm. Okay. And now that I look at it, he didn't even bring Jairus in with him. Mm -hmm. When they came to the home of the synagogue leader, Jesus saw much commotion and weeping and wailing. So I'm I'm assuming that he's taken Jairus and three disciples with him. Hmm. He went inside. Why all this commotion and weeping? This child isn't dead. She's only asleep. Maybe when we (laughs) read these stats and we see these things and we hear all this and all of it, you know, proven stuff, Jesus is saying, you're thinking she's dead. You're thinking they're gone. You're thinking they're dead and over with. I'm letting you know they're just asleep. Come on. I, what you see and how you've misdiagnosed the situation. You think when, when something is dead, they're unable to respond and unable to, re, to, to live again. Jesus is saying, no, no. All I need to do is wake them up. Come on. Watch this. The crowd laughed at him. When you talk like this, people won't. People will laugh at you. 
<laughs> so you're telling me that the next generation can have a move of God. You're telling me that the next generation can fall in love with the Bible. You're telling me that with statistics, the next generation can attend church when everything is trending down, down, down with the re- right. religious affiliation. Mm-hmm. The crowd will laugh at you. Watch what Jesus said. But he made them all leave. <laughs> That's just what it, get out. I'm not dealing with you. You are not a part of the process mm-hmm. of the miracle. Naysayers disqualify themselves from participating in the miraculous for the next generation when their words are laughter, when they're in disbelief. Jesus said, Jesus said to Jairus, don't even listen to the messenger. Let's not deal with the crowd. Me and you, we're going to go in here. Yep. Peter, James, and John, we're going to see a miracle with the next generation. Oh, come on. Now watch this. He took the girl's father and mother and three disciples. Okay, so there's six people in there. Into the room where the girl was lying. Holding her, he said to her, uh, Talakum, which means little girl, get up. And the girl, who was 12 years old, immediately stood up, walked around, and they were overwhelmed and totally amazed. Here's what I think we need to understand when we're talking about the next generation. I don't want to over-spiritualize it and simplify it to be like, well, God's got it. I think we cannot underestimate or discount the idea that God can still overwhelm and 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 amaze us. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right? So He's done it for generations. Mm-hmm. There is, if you study church history and you study uh, just moves of God, whether it was even the movie Jesus Revolution that we just watched recently, mm-hmm. that was a season of turmoil, mm-hmm. assassinations of leaders. That was a season of racial tension. That was a season of scary stuff going on in our nation. And we had yeah. a, a great move of God the charismatic renewal, the Jesus movement, people falling in love with Jesus, worship services, hippies getting saved, lives are being transformed. So sometimes it's easy to be like, we're circling the bowl here, and I don't know when it's over, but it must be. (laughs) I can't speak to knowing what the future looks like for our children and their faith. but And I don't want to talk too long, but I'm a big believer in thinking, he can still amaze and overwhelm us Almost with right. the results when he yep. gets involved. And if it's up to the messenger, she's dead. Mm-hmm. If it's up to the messenger, let Jesus keep talking to the woman with the issue of blood. If it's up to the crowd, they're going to say, don't worry about it. They're going to laugh at this idea, right. this gesture that, that she's asleep. She's asleep. She hmm. is not breathing. Come on, she's, The next generation is asleep. Mm-hmm. They're not moving. The next generation... They're not interested. Mm. Well, Jesus said, we don't need them to be a part of this. Yep. All I need is a mom and dad who want to see her raised from the dead. And three disciples I want to show what God can do with. <laughs> and, mm. and all I need is somebody who believes. Nobody loved her like her mom and dad. And that's like mom and dad didn't laugh. <laughs> like, right. But that's, I think maybe miraculous things can happen with the next generation when there's a father spirit and a mother spirit who believes in the next generation's life. Come Paul on. says you got a whole lot of teachers and got a whole lot of fathers. Yeah. Nobody will fight for you like your mother and your father, supposedly, right? Yeah, right. It's yeah. a healthy father and a mother will fight for the next generation. And it's just coming to me. Maybe the Bible didn't make a mistake letting us know who was in the room. That's right. That parental spirit will fight for the life of the next generation. The problem is we got a lot of platform spirits. Everybody mm-hmm. wants a platform. Everybody wants to be important. Everybody wants to have followers. Mm-hmm. Everybody wants to be influencers. Ain't nobody want to be a father. Mm-hmm. Ain't nobody mm-hmm. want to be a mother. Ain't nobody yeah, want to yeah. train. Ain't nobody mm-hmm. want to love. Anybody want to talk to the next generation? Anybody? Is everybody just trying to be famous? Come on, yeah, yeah. Come on, man. Yeah, yeah. Am I talking to anybody right now? Yeah. <laughs> I feel like I'm preaching a little bit. But <laughs> but I, I I think 
when you when we talk next generation, it's it's like I get a little bit, I guess, defensive when you're like, man, we do we do you know how bad it is? But do we know who we serve? Come on, yeah. Mm-hmm. Like it's like we're sin ground, we're sin abound. Grace much more abounds, meaning that God is much much bigger. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah. 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 So again, I don't want to over spiritualize and be like God's God. I don't sweat it. Everybody, we're okay. Just have good intentions, mom and dad and Jesus and three <laughs> disciples going to carry it. No, we have a responsibility that we'll talk more about, but I never want to ever give too much credit. I never want to be the, the messenger of the crowd. Mm. Yep. That's, mm. I think that's where that's I'm good. at. I'd rather be in the room, see her raised from the dead. Come on. Can you imagine right. when the door closed and she came out? That's it. What that crowd must have thought? Yeah. What that messenger must yep. have thought? Mm-hmm. What do you guys think? I'm just talking to it. I know one question and uh, one comment, I guess, that I get, and if, if you're a parent, I know we all are, and if you're watching and you have young kids, you've probably heard this comment too. It's like, how could you bring kids into this world? Mm-hmm. How could you bring kids into this generation? They're so godless. You know, the, they read off the stats to you. and <laughs> But we all want our kids to be part of the solution. That's right. Mm-hmm. Right. We want, we want our kids, salt our children Come on. to be salt and light and yeah. to be God carriers into this next generation. I know for me, because I don't know where the threshold is for what the next generation is. I don't know that age. I don't know if we're still a part of the next generation or if we've crossed and, you know, we're looking at Gen Z now. You, you've crossed. Yeah, I've crossed. Yeah, I'm the, I'm the old guy the at the table. Guy. He crossed years ago. Yeah, I've crossed. So I'm speaking. But, uh, you think at, at one time we were the next generation. Right. And I remember those voices in my life who, who really spoke into me. That's right. Who really spoke into uh, the future, not only me, but to the generation I was a part of and, and really handed, handed the church, handed ministry mm. over to us and how that meant so, so much to me and uh, my fellow laborers and the Lord at the time. Mm. Yeah, I think too, what just kind of what you're both talking about, I think that it, it matters tremendously what you say to and about the next generation. Hmm. You know, mm-hmm. kind of like piggybacking off of both statements that you just made, it matters what you say. You know, we we can just kind of play this statement down a little bit, but death and life is in the power of the tongue. Mm-hmm. What you can say to someone can totally change the course of their life That's right. forever. That's right. And And I have noticed in some areas a trend to disregard or discredit Gen Z. Yep, she's dead. To, that's it. Mm-hmm. Just like that. Just like what you said. And I, I thought about this whenever you were talking in um, 2 Kings. Mm. 2 Kings chapter 4 and verse 18. This is the story of the Shunammite woman. Yep. She had prayed for a child and uh, Elisha told her that she would have a child. She has the child. Yep. And then in verse 18, you see this. It says, when the child had grown, he went out one day with his father among the reapers, and he said to his father, my Oh, head. my head, my head. Mm. The father said to his servant, and that's, that's, that's it today, that next generation. It's all about fighting their, in head. their head. They're that's fighting so in their head. That's so and, good. And just thinking about what that's like. Carry I'm him, preaching this Sunday. Carry, <laughs> I'm preaching this Sunday. Carry him to his mother. And when he had lifted him and brought him to his mother, the child sat on her lap till noon, and then he died. And mm. she went up and laid him on the bed of the man of God, and shut mm. the door behind him and went out. She she knew there was a connection there mm-hmm. to that spiritual that spiritual place. And then I want to 
verse 22, it says, Then she called to her husband and said, Send me one of the servants and one of the donkeys that I may quickly go to the man of God and come back again. Again, she's trying to bridge the gap between a dead generation and what God can do, the connection to God. She's trying to bridge the gap there. It says, Why will you go to him today? It is neither new moon nor Sabbath. She said, All is well. Then she saddled the donkey and said to her servant, Urge the animal on. Do not slacken for the pace of me unless I tell you. So she set out and came to the man of God at Mount Carmel. And when the man of God saw her coming, he said to Gehazi, his servant, Look, there is the Shunammite woman. Run at once to meet her and say to her, Is all well with you? Is all well with your husband? Is all well with the child? And she answered him, It is well. All is well. That's because it is well. Because not everybody should hear the struggles in your home. That's it. Mm -hmm. That's it. And, and the thing that I love the most about that is to everyone else, like you were talking about a minute ago, the next generation was dead. Mm. But to her, all is well. Mm. Everything is fine. So we look at this generation and we see people discredit them. We say, oh, they can't, right. they can't be this because this way. And, and we make all of these excuses as to why they can't be. But if we can connect what people think is a dead generation mm. with a God, the creator, the renewer, the one who can take broken things and put them back together. If we can connect God and that generation mm -hmm. together, all is well. It's not all forgotten. Well. It's not broken. Yep. It can't be, it's not in disrepair. Come it can on. be fixed. It can be changed. They can be yeah. renewed. They can be revived. And, and the thing about it is sometimes we look at things from this lens of, well, you know, all these things God have done in our life. Well, you know, maybe it's just, it's just not what it used to be. No, it can be better than it's ever been. Yeah. If we will just speak to the next generation and say, stay connected with God. We're going to help you. We're going to make that connection for you. All is well. well come on. You don't have to worry. Yeah. You don't have to worry about mm. the next generation. So what are we speaking to them today? Mm. Come on. I say it is well. Come on. All man. is well. We're going to be with you. We're going to do it. It wasn't convenient for her to get all of that together, to go to the man of God. It wasn't convenient for her, but she knew in order for all to be well, that's good. she had to make that connection. Yeah. And I think that that's something we have to do, our generation and the next generation. Not so we can say, look what we did. Sure. No, we just want to be the connection. Mm -hmm. we, like you talked about, Pastor Aaron, people that pass things down to us, that mm -hmm. gave us, that's what we should be doing for them, okay. empowering the next generation and strengthening them. Can I preach Sunday? But it spoke to me so, so well, strong when you said that a while ago. What I love is that my head, my head. Come on. Oh, yeah. Mm. That right there, I yes. wish I could say yes. I got to that first. That is so, <laughs> it's good. I've Bell never seen head. that before. Yep. As soon head. as you said that, yep. It's like, uh, wow. And the thing is, they are hurting. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know, there, it's not that we're looking at a confused generation and they're like violently against the things of God and angry and shaking their fist. And I'm sure there's all kinds of stuff out there. But he's he's hurting. Yeah, yeah. He's hurting. He goes to his father, says, "I'm just my head hurts. My head hurts." Hmm. Imagine that. Yeah. The. It's like we got to have some compassion here for this generation that is saying, like, 
my head hurts. There's so much going yes. on social media. There's so much going on in the world. There's so much, like, I don't know who to vote for. I don't know what's going on. I don't know what's true. There, there's so much, there's so much fake online. It's like my head hurts. Mm-hmm. Yep. There's, mm-hmm. They call it deep fake now. There's so much fake material that it's like my head hurts. Mm-hmm. And I love that. It's like at some point, somebody's got to be like, I'm, we're good. We're going to take this. We're going to take this to the prophet. We're going to take so, this to God. And, uh, that is very good. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, as you were talking, you were saying, like, what are we what are we speaking over the next generation? Like, how are we caring for them? And as you were speaking, like, Ephesians 6 and 4 came to mind. It's like, fathers, do not exasperate your children. Like, this generation, like, don't don't put such a yoke on the next generation. Yep. Like, don't, mm-hmm. don't put them down. Don't speak like, man, you know, y'all are dead or this... Y'all are just lost, so y'all you know y'all have no reverence for, you know, God or your elders or whatever. It's like fathers, like don't exasperate your children, but instead, like train them up, instruct them in the ways yeah. of the Lord. Like let yeah. them know that they are loved. Let them know that they have purpose. Let them know that you know God has put a lot in you, even though mm. it, you're you're wrestling in your mind trying to make sense of life. It's like no fathers, don't don't speak so many things over your children that don't like that wouldn't raise them up. Yep. To let them know, like, there is purpose, there is life, there is something for you. Um, it just made me think about that. That's good. And you know what's profound even, too? That's such a great scripture, Pastor Tommy, that you mentioned. When Elisha goes into the house and he ministers to this child, you know what he does? He hits three spots, three yep. spots. He places his mouth to his mouth. Yep. Eyes to his eyes, hands to his, his hands. hands. Yep. So... What I speak yep. over them, this, what they see, I'm going to change. I'm going to help see. them to see yep. clearly again. That's it. Mm-hmm. And then out of that, with your hands, you're going to work for the Lord. You're going to profess with your hands how you conduct your life. What you do yep. is going to show the greatness of God. You can yep. look at it like, that's really good. I've never thought of that. It's like how what I speak. What I say over you, what I see in you, how I handle you. That's it. Mm-hmm. Could yep. change. Man, this is, I'm, pre- I'm going to preach everything. this. I'm telling you, it's coming. <laughs> I hope somebody starts, I'm writing all this down, and this is coming on a Sunday, and I'm going to look at the church, and I'm going to say, God spoke all this to me. <laughs> Nobody help me with this. But how I see, Pastor Josiah, that's so good. How I see you, how I speak, what I speak over you, what mm-hmm. I see in you, how I handle you could be the determining factor of a generation coming back to life. That's mm-hmm. it. Watch this. Psalm 78. I'm, Pastor Aaron, you need to say something before I start mm-hmm. prophesying in here in a minute. <laughs> Psalm 78. Watch this. This is a big recap chapter of the Old Testament pretty much. And I used this not long ago at a baby dedication, but it's been speaking to me a lot. Uh, verse 5. But he, uh, For he issued his laws to Jacob. He gave his instructions to Israel. He commanded our ancestors to teach them to their children. So what I tell you, tell your children. Yep. So the next generation might know them. They're not going to know them if we don't tell them right. what he's saying. Even the children not yet born. In mm. other words, those that are coming will be impacted by what you're telling. Mm-hmm. Okay. And they in turn will teach their own children. So each generation should set its own own, excuse me, set its hope anew on God, not forgetting the glorious miracles and obeying his commands. Mm. Each generation has to decide for themselves, according to the scripture, where they're at with God, their faith. It says each generation will 
I keep hitting this mic. Okay. <laughs> Each generation has to decide for themselves to set their faith and hope anew on God. But we all have to participate in influencing that decision. That's right. Because if you just keep telling, keep telling stories, keep talking. I used to preach it uh, before. I preached it called show and tell. How we impact the next generation is first we show them at home and we tell them with our mouth. If I don't show them but I'm always telling them, this, they'll pick up duplicity. Mm-hmm. They'll pick up your inconsistency. And the moral authority you have to share with the next generation that we have a, Talk about us fathers. Come on. Is that we talk it with our mouth, but we live it with our life. Yeah. If we just if we just live it, which is very powerful, we also need to tell them so they know the source of this life that we're living. Mm-hmm. But if all we do is tell them what the Bible says, yet we don't live it in front of them, they're mm-hmm. going to see this is inconsistent. Mm-hmm. That's same with people who go to church and yet live like hell at home. The kids can see the, the inconsistency, and it's not compelling. They know it didn't change you. Mm-hmm. You know, it doesn't matter to you enough to change the way your attitude is. Doesn't And everybody makes mistakes. I'm not acting like you go home and fly around like an angel all day. But I think children need to see it. Our children, let me speak for my babies. I want to show and I want to tell. Mm-hmm. Now, I, do I mess up all the time? Do I get it wrong? I'm a father every day. I'm not perfect. But I know that if I will get it in them, yep. hopefully, according to this, they're going to tell their kids, okay, because I'm telling my kids because my dad told me. My mom mm. told me. Yep. And hopefully, my prayer is they will set their hope anew on God. That's so good. the other day, I was telling Judah some miracle stories of what I've seen growing up. And he's like, really? <laughs> I'm like, yes, let me, let me tell you how to happen. And I told it like I was telling like a superhero story. Mm. I didn't sit there and be like, now, son, let's turn in our King James Bible tonight <laughs> and let me talk to you through yep. expository, expository teaching on the book of Judges. <laughs> <laughs> I just sit and told him fun stories about miracles or people I seen get saved at an altar or this guy gave up drugs or whatever. And my son's like amazed. But what am I doing? I'm showing and telling. Yeah. Just showing and telling, showing and telling. Uh, because according to the word of God, that's how they're going to pick. You got to pick right. for themselves, but I can heavily influence that that's right. by just showing and telling. Yeah, it's the, the show and tell verse uh, in Philippians chapter four. Paul writes a letter and he says, "Yes, what you have learned." This is chapter nine or oh. chapter four, verse nine. What you have learned, and received, and heard, and seen in me. Yep. Practice these things, yep. and the God of peace will be with you. And there's also one of my favorite verses that that talks about the next generation and passing it on. And I think something that we we have to do, and, and I know I have authority in my life from the previous generation. Mm-hmm. So if I if I'm if I don't submit, I really don't have a voice to teach the next generation, right? If I'm not mm-hmm. submitting to the generation who went before me, mm-hmm. I shouldn't be allowed to teach the generation underneath me. So there are voices in my life both ways. And Paul in Second Timothy chapter two, verse two, he says, he's writing this letter to Timothy. And he's saying, what you have heard, Timothy, what you have heard from me, Paul, in the presence of many witnesses, entrust to faithful men who Timothy was over Titus, who will also be able to teach others. Mm. So we see this line of Paul to Timothy to Titus. Mm -hmm. So I think it's important, you know, we've spent a lot of time talking about passing it on to the next generation, but receiving from the generation who came before us is equally important. That's good. You know, that's good. We, uh, as a church, one of our 
one of our biggest things, obviously, is the next generation, as Pastor Tommy alluded to a moment ago. Um, one of the things we do every week, we have our kids' ministry that runs full-blown operation from ages zero to... 30. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, all the way up to fifth grade. Fifth grade. That's yeah, every weekend. For kids ministry, yeah. And a lot of churches do this too. Yeah. We all do our best to prioritize our children to hear the word of God, worship together. We have volunteers, background check, facilities are clean. We do whatever we can That's right. to create an experience for the next generation to experience God mm-hmm. um, in a way they can get it. Jesus mm-hmm. said, don't forbid the kids to come to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Don't mm-hmm. forbid the kids to come to me. That's right. And uh, I don't want to be on our watch. That verse and judges could be said about us. Mm-hmm. There arose a generation yep. that knew, knew not, not the, God, that knew not the things of God, knew not yep. God. I think it's outworded in King James. Knew not God, knew not the things of God, yep. or something like that. We don't want to do that on our watch. I don't want that for any of our kids. I don't want that for any of your kids or grandkids. We want to believe that just like Jairus's daughter can come back to life. I don't know what maybe your kids may be facing or situations going on in your home, but the Bible lets us know that they can come back from the land of captivity. That's right. So I want to just tell you today, I know we're doing a podcast, but I just I feel my heart to encourage a mom or a dad out there that you've been praying for a son, a wayward daughter. You've been praying for a prodigal, believing that God can bring them back. I want to tell you he can bring them back from the land of captivity, from drugs, from brokenness, from shame decision-making that's not God's best. Can I tell you today, we still believe in that. We can still do stuff that amazes us and overwhelms us. And I just speak the faith of Jairus over you, that you will have faith and you will just believe that God can step into any situation when everybody else is saying she's dead, when everybody else is saying he's dying, when everybody else is saying that it's over. God says it's not over. She's only asleep and I can bring dead things back to life again. Thank you.